This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Shirley Allen from Progress, and our topic today is microaggressions in a, in a hybrid work environment and how to handle them. And so we're going to do a bunch of stuff during this call. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be super fast. Shirley, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Progress? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Shirley Knowles. I am the Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer at Progress. Um, We are based in Burlington, Massachusetts, although we have offices all over the globe. And I've actually been in this position um, just over a year and a half. Um, There are some days where it feels uh, longer, depending on the topic, (laughs) <laughs> uh, or some of the areas that I'm covering, but it is such a valuable role and it is a position that I'm grateful to have. And I learn something new every day um, in my position leading this function. So um, I got so many questions. Let's start with microaggressions in general. What have you learned as you unpack this? Because it's like an onion, right? So the more you start to kind of peel yes. the onion, you start to, the more the onion kind of presents itself with new things. When you first kind of came into microaggressions, you know, on your journey, what have you learned about microaggressions? So I'm glad that you asked this question. And uh, we recently had a uh, facilitated conversation around inclusive leadership. We had an external uh, person come in and lead a discussion on what inclusive leadership means. And one of the focus areas was around microaggressions and what they mean. And so our facilitator said that microaggressions are like little pinpricks that people feel over time based on comments or actions that are directed towards them. And these microaggressions can build up over time and it can really impact the way that a person experiences the world, uh, views other people, views their colleagues. Um, And so one actually recent example of this, um, even within my own workplace, is um, I was in the office a couple of weeks ago and there was another woman in the office who also wears her hair in braids. And at the Mm -hmm. time I had my hair in braids. And within the span of an hour and 15 minutes, three people came up to this woman and um, introduced themselves and said, how are you doing, Shirley? And this woman's not Shirley. (laughs) And so it was a conversation that we had. And I said to her, you know, and her leader, this is obviously a form of a microaggression where someone does not have evil intent. They're introducing themselves. But, you know these same folks have been on calls with me or have seen me uh, on video, have seen articles that I've published. And I guess they just weren't paying close enough attention to facial features. And it's also something that I think folks from various communities experience as well, where, you know, people just, oh, I couldn't tell the difference between your face and the next person's face or your hair looks the same. 
And again, it's that pinprick that someone feels. And once it happens again and again over time, it can be very um, overwhelming to, to someone. That's a wonderful example. And again, something that you wouldn't, you've got to be kind of intentional and purposeful, right? So I think some of this is we're learning as a society and hopefully as a globe, we're learning of of things that have, that have probably been going on for you know since time has has has, has started, but I think we're one of the things I like about Gen Z and millennials is they're not willing to put up with <laughs> things that maybe Gen X and Boomers would have. So that they'll call people out, like, and I I like that because I think that's is, how do you make progress without conflict. Right. Exactly. On some on some level, you have to have that conflict of saying, yes, you've confused me with so-and-so happens. No worries. You know, we're still friends. I love you. Uh, right. Let's not do that again. Right. <laughs> like and that you know, awkwardness. I think it has to happen. But yeah, right. Right. And I think, you know, one of the misconceptions around the term microaggressions, right, it's that you are a bad person if you do right. something against someone else. And that's not the case. Um, I tell folks at Progress all the time, and also, you know, and I speak to others, that the world of inclusion, diversity, and belonging continues to expand. And we're learning new things every day and understanding what is and is not acceptable and what are the things that we can speak up about. And so, you know, to say to someone, you know, let's use ageism as an example. So ageism has been around. It's not something that you should be doing as you're considering candidates or as you're considering folks to work on projects, but ageism unfortunately happens. So maybe in the past you'll say, hey, you know what, Shirley, you know, you're in your mid fifties. I'm not, but let's just say I'm, you're in your mid fifties. Um, you know, I'm not sure you're young enough to work on this project to really know some of the popular terms um, that are needed in order to work on um, this initiative or this project. If you're told over and over again, you're too old, you're too young, um, that is, again, another form of a microaggression. Or you're a working mother, you're a working father, you probably don't have this extra time to work on this project. Um, that's, again, it's like, it's it's these are examples that impact many people. And I always want folks to understand it's not just tied to race, ethnicity, or gender, right. but there are other characteristics, right? You have a disability. So, you know, um, I'm not sure if you want to go out with us because your wheelchair is probably right. going to be a problem, you know, getting into some of the doors or, uh, you know, we don't want to have to look for an elevator. I mean, those little pinpricks, again, they impact people in a negative way and impact the way that they interact with as I said, your colleagues and the world. You know, it's funny because I think one of the things that like people uh, years ago would talk about passive aggressive behavior at work. Right. And, and I never really understood. <laughs> I never really understood passive aggressive because that's not my personality. My personality mm -hmm. is very ex extremely conflict oriented. So like, I just did <laughs> <laughs> the, the I just dropped the passive part and aggressive. Okay, so I get that. <laughs> right. um, but I, I wonder how much of this is tethered, especially with microaggressions, is tied to assumptions. You know, like like people have made like you just gave a great example of someone that's uh, in a wheelchair. 
or um, uh, you know, again, people are making ins- assumptions at, rather than asking, rather than you know, being uh, asking for consent. You know, the, the difference between an assumption and consent is you ask. Right. <laughs> you, you you don't start with you know where you think the person wants to. You just start and ask like, hey, we're gonna go out. Right. You want to go out? Like, cool. We'll, we'll deal with whatever, and right. you know, we can deal with. But there's no assumptions led to that. It's just consent. We're all right. going out. Would you like to go? Right. I think you know part of the challenge around just asking, just asking the question directly, is the fear by some that um, you know you're going to ask the question in the wrong way. Hundred percent. Everything you know, you have to be politically correct. But what winds up happening is in your effort to frame something the right way or just say, you know what, you wouldn't like it because you were too old. You wind up insulting the person instead of letting them have that first right of refusal. Right. right. Because you could be an able-bodied person and still not want to go. Do you know what I mean? You 100%. The wheelchair is not, or the, the crutches, that's not the determining factor necessarily as to whether or not someone wants to go. I mean, that's I right. probably pl- plenty of times in my career. Oh, as an able-bodied person where folks are going out and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm all set, you know what I mean? And so it's just, it's just, you know, treat people as though you want to be treated. You can ask the question, Hey, do you want to work on this project or giving people the chance to do something? And then you let them prove you quote wrong. Right. Um, I I do think that, that sometimes people's internal thoughts of, Oh, they're not going to, be able to handle this because it's too many hours. They project that onto oh, someone 100%. and take the opportunity away from them instead of allowing them to say, yes, I do want to be a part of this or no, I don't want to be a part of this. So so crush this for me, um, especially with the backdrop of diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality, and now even in microaggressions. I think, I think, I think we've, I, we've, we're, we're at a place, a really interesting place, actually. It's going to be fun uh, because it's going to be chaos. But we're at an interesting place where I think there's certain people that are just, they're willing to try stuff and fail, like whatever, programmatically, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're willing to try. And then you've got an entire cluster of people that are paralyzed where they, they don't want to try anything. Because mm-hmm. they don't want to fail, and it's like right. we can't move forward. Like especially with what we're talking about with microaggressions, like it's okay to fail. Like <laughs> you're right. human, you're gonna make mistakes. Whether or not it's Asian, ways whether or not it's not including people on product, like all the examples that you've given so far, it's like you're gonna make mistakes. That's right. that's that's life. That's actually good. If you're making mistakes, you can learn from them, and other people can right. learn from them as well. So, like, how much of this for you in coaching other people, especially around microaggressions, is probably even the broader uh, context of DNI, is it's okay to fail? It is okay to fail, and and here's why, right? And I and I'm very vulnerable, and I tell folks this all the time. I may be the chief inclusion and diversity officer. I may have studied gender and cultural studies. I have my own lived experience around this. And there are things that I am learning every day. 
Um, one great example, and you know, I've had to train myself over the years. I would say, "Man, this guy is crazy. This woman's crazy." Right? I'd say it like publicly in a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fast forward to now, that may not be the best thing to say, right? Right. right. And it's again something that I have had to work on oh, that's um, and do better about. Um, and that's that's my own personal journey. Not to say that other people are going to stop saying that, but it's, that's just my own uh, journey. Right. Um, I, I, well, it's, 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 it's interesting. Cause I think you can say, <sighs> instead of she's crazy or, or he's crazy, more, more likely instead of he's crazy, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like the nuance of, instead of it being on them, it's now on me. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Right. That's crazy to me. Right. Instead of putting right. it on them, which I think you're right. I think we've done that with all a lot of words where we've right. put it on the person sometimes uh, accidentally, sometimes not accidentally. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I think at the end of the day, this this fear that people have at the end of the day to help address that fear of, of failing, I would say to them, do you authentically, do you genuinely want to be better? And I think if you make a mistake and people know that that's not how Shirley is, that's not how Mary is, right? That can then help folks not have that negative reaction when you say something that is inappropriate. So this is why I tell folks at Progress, you know, one of the benefits, uh, and there are many benefits, but one of the benefits of being a part of an employee resource group is the ability to learn from other, other cultures, right? We're celebrating cultures but you're learning from other cultures and you begin to understand what is and is not appropriate, right? right? So that when you find yourself in a position where, you know, you want to comment on the way that someone looks or you want to comment on their hair or you want to comment on uh, where they went to school, you're, you're understanding, oh, in this culture um, to talk about someone's hair is like <laughs> a big thing, right? Oh, yeah. and, and, it doesn't mean that you can't talk about it, but there's an understanding that you have to have. Um, and the other piece around learning and, 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 and um, you know, not being afraid to fail, you have to ask yourself, why do I want to learn these things? Why right. is it important for me to have a better understanding about other people? Uh, we talk about this a lot, you know, in the DNI space as I, you know, partner with some of my other colleagues that lead this function. And I say to them all the time, the to me, the greatest determinant as to whether or not a company and its people will be successful with inclusion, equity, diversity, and belonging is whether or not they understand why they are doing the work. If a company is looking to just check a box off to say, okay, we've hired inclusively, we said we wanted to get rid of microaggression, so I think we've done that, check that box, and we're all done you know, they're not understanding why they're actually doing the work so that when it's time for you to actually step up um, for your, your, your employees, you should know why you're stepping up. And a lot of times I see that companies aren't stepping up because they don't understand why they need to step up. Um, and that is, is a really tricky piece when it comes to this work. And again, as you look at a hybrid workplace where People are both in the office or at home um, and and someone says a comment and they don't understand why someone else is offended, whatever. It just becomes more complicated. 
uh, when you're not all together and understanding the mission of, you know, why this work is is so valuable to to the people. So where does where do you think and where's sarcasm and humor <laughs> gotten us sideways? And I'll I'll start with myself. I'm mm-hmm. extremely sarcastic, right? So if if there's ever an opportunity or if, if I've ever come across where I'm trying to be sincere, <laughs> it's I, right. I, it's almost right. untrustworthy, right? Because <laughs> people are just used to me being sarcastic. But I can see where I could see where people would misinterpret that. Like I can see where either humor or even sarcasm specifically for me would be misinterpreted. How do we how right. do we teach around you know the nuances, the edges around microaggressions? Well, again, I mean, you are doing some self-reflection and you know that you are a, are a sarcastic person. So there's a little bit of, you know, maybe when you're meeting someone for the first time, you reel in the sarcasm because they don't know you. And so it's like, you know, is this guy serious? Is he joking? And I've worked with many people who default to sarcasm and, you know, I kind of ride the wave and I'm like, oh, this is just the way that Joe is. Right. Right. But for other people, and again, depending on the, the culture that you're working with, sarcasm that sarcasm doesn't come across right so it's like i don't you know this guy's not joking he's serious when (laughs) in reality you were serious right and this is why learning about people cultures beliefs uh you know ways of of communicating with one another it is important it's not just on the person that is the quote offender but it's on the the folks that may be offended to say oh you know this is British humor, right? right Which right. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Not to 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 point that yeah. out as, as um you know one way of, of of communicating with someone else, but it's just you have to le- you just have to learn about people. Like that is as simple as I can really break it down. And then also again, if you were the the the, the individual that seems to offend others, it's kind of like slowing yourself down and saying is this the appropriate thing to say in this group? How is this going to go over? Um, If someone comes to me and says, hey, Shirley, this hurt my feelings and here's why. Right. My immediate reaction should not be, I'm immediately getting defensive or, you know, it wasn't that serious. You shouldn't have taken it that way. Yeah, tell me more Um, about that. Tell me more about that. You know, how can I be better? I don't want, I genuinely do not want to have this happen again. I want to have a great working relationship with yeah. you. So there's a little give on uh, both sides. Yeah, um, but there's a responsibility. And right. what I love about it is this is a two-way street for, for both for both folks. If, if, if uh, not if, when a microaggression happens, especially in a, in a hybrid work environment, it's, it's both sides have to, um, the, the person that feels like, that is offended that's real to them. Whether or not it's uh, real to right. the person that did it or not, it doesn't matter. It's real to them. Right. Their perception becomes reality. They they have a an obligation to teach, to then just say, hey, you probably didn't mean it this way, or maybe you did. <laughs> here's what happened, and here's how it made me feel. Now, then the person that that uh, that, <clears throat> that 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 rendered that microaggression, they now get to learn. Or they they now know what they're doing, 
one way, you know, both sides, right? They know what they're doing and either they keep doing it and they just don't care or they're actually, there's a real great learning opportunity there for them. Right. And right. it takes both sides. And I love the way that you framed it up because when you're talking to somebody, if you can, like for me, in my example, it's with the first time I meet somebody, I should probably almost tell them like, okay, here's my style, you know, okay. I, I use inappropriate language. I'm sarcastic, you know, really dark humor. Okay. So if any of that comes across the wrong way, just tell me. Like, exactly. Give them, exactly. not give them permission, but tell them in advance and then just say, no, it's okay. If like, if I cross any line, just, just tell me, because it, it, my intent is not that. Right. Or if something that I say does not sit well with you and you need mm -hmm. follow up, I'm more than happy to, you know, connect with you again in the future. It's the, the example huh. and the way that you just framed it, right? You were setting the tone. This is right. who you are. Right. And the other person sitting across like, okay, you know, this is yeah. who this guy is. And right. then as they get to work with you, it's like, oh, okay, here's the sarcasm coming through. But <laughs> the tone has been set. Right. Right. I tell folks all the time, my approach to inclusion and diversity is, um, you know, it's an educational one, right? So I have a background in teaching. I have a background in education. I believe in not necessarily shaming people into IND compliance. I believe in educating them and reminding them why this work is important, whether folks are in the office, whether they're hybrid or whether they are remote. I like to remind them, hey, guess what? When we used to be in the office, you could see someone's body language and say, ooh, they're right. getting uncomfortable, right? You can't do that at home. You just see someone from the shoulders and up. You don't know what's going on in their house. You don't know any of uh, you know the stressors that they may have going on in their life. All you see is what is on that screen. And so by using empathy, by having compassion, by actually asking them, how are they doing, right? You're now building this strong relationship with them so that in the event they say something that is offensive or that doesn't sit right with you, right. it's easier to bring it up and say, hey, the other day when we were on the call, you made this joke about this group of people. And I know you didn't, th there was no you know, malice behind it, right. but I just want you to know that that this is, could this be is how, this is exactly. how I yeah this is how I received it exactly and so even in the way that I work at progress I'm constantly and not you know going a sports reference but not doing a full court press on mm -hmm. hey this is diversity and inclusion every single day but I try to bake it into real world examples so that someone can say wow, that's something that I do. I do discriminate against someone because I right. think that they're too old. Right. Um, or, you know, this person, uh, you know, um, and, and we've heard this example in the DNI space, but you look at a woman and you say, oh, she looks like she's of childbearing age or she just got married. She's probably going to take maternity leave. So maybe we don't hire her. Right. Right. Which is right. a very real thing. Oh, yeah. And so like baking it in where people are slowing down. And maybe not announcing it publicly, but they're saying to themselves, I do that, <laughs> you know, yeah. or I know someone oh, yeah. on my team that does that. That's a great and learn. That's a, I, I mean, first of all, it's just a great way to, how else do you learn these things? If right. not by, by, by either personally making mistakes right. or seeing others make mistakes. Like how, exactly. else, how else do you learn this? How else do you learn it? And you don't need the um, direct experience in learning, right. but just 
Right. Here are some examples or here are some 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 cases that I have seen within the organization. This is why it matters. Right. I actually um, had an employee that came up to me when I was in uh, Boston a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, surely there are some anti-Semitic comments that have come out. Um, and I felt very uncomfortable. And he went so far as to say when he attends events at his synagogue, he looks at the exits because he's afraid that oh, there's yeah. going to be a shooter that comes oh, yeah. in. And so, you know, as I work on a communication to denounce, um, you know, anti-Semitic comments, it's like you can throw all these stats in here and here's this oh, new yeah. story of all of these events that happen. But also, let me tell you about a personal story. I'm not going to add the name in, but a personal story of one of your colleagues that many of you know, and this is what he experiences when he goes um, to his synagogue. Yep. And once you can, like, again, now that's get real. down to the real stories and say, yeah. this is someone that you know. Um, you know, there is a woman that came back from parental leave and her managers did not invest in her and she left the organization or she transferred to a different team or her performance has dropped. Once you start to, again, express that, and my colleagues have shared some of these stories with me, um, my, my D&I colleagues at other companies, they share those stories with me. And then I just repurpose it and say, hey, this is something that's happening at a company. Right. And it could be happening here and you could actually be the person doing it. So let's grow, learn from this, check in on your hybrid folks, check in on your remote folks, as well as your, um, you know, your resident folks or the, the, the people that are coming in four to five days a week and just treat people with empathy and as a whole human being um, and realize that you're going to make mistakes. That's OK. Apologize, learn from them, move forward. Drops Mike. Walks off stage. Drops Mike. <laughs> Shirley, thank you so much for your time and wisdom today. This has been wonderful. Thank you. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news.